Episode 27, Deuce Pesic Continued. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Men of Abundance with Wally Carmichael. You must be prepared to ignite. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. Aloha and welcome back, Men of Abundance. We are back for round two with Deuce. And we are going to start off right where we left off in episode 26. This is where we're going to find out what exactly is Friends, F-R-E-N-D-S, and where is Deuce going with it? What is his plans? This amazing project that Deuce has put together is certainly going to change the way we look at housing but it's also going to change the way we look at emergency relief. Before we get into the show, I want you to know that you can get involved in the conversation by joining us on our Men of Abundance Facebook page. I have a free community set up for you over there, and you can find the link to join the group in the show notes at menofabundance.com forward slash 026 or 027. Simply scroll down until you see Get Involved in the Conversation Click on that link, and it will take you directly to the Facebook group. Click on the green button, and I will give you access. All right, now let's continue with the show. What exactly is Friends? And it's, from what I, it's, the acronym is F-R-E-N-D-S. Yes, sir. They are first response emergency needs dispatched shelters. They were conceived um, in uh, 2005, uh, but my aha moment was on August 29th, 2005. And uh, the way Friends became involved is because in 2003, in, you know, I, Henry, Blake's, uh, Henry Blake had a great quote that said, I must create a system or be enslaved by another man's. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that kind of gave me that look, you know, I'm not finding the house that I need. I'm not finding, you know, at that time, you know, it was the height of the um, of the housing industry, you know, a hundred grand really didn't get you all that much. You know what I mean? And you know, I thought about it, and I was like, well, well, let's see. You know, I mean, the 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 market determines the homes. Okay, so um, you know, what if at that time, you know, the, my thought process was, what if you know, Nick's mom decides that she needed to move or something, whether it be work or whatever. Uh, I don't, you know, and my son goes with her, how am I going to get to him again? Now, you know, if the market crashes, now it's going to be, you know, harder to sell my home, and the longer I'll be before I sell it to be with my boy again. Because let's be honest, you know, I mean, you know, I'm the new American dream, which is paycheck to paycheck. You know, it was hard to save up. And then, of course, when you have a family and you have kids, you know, money's going everywhere so you know how is it that i'm going to go ahead and get to him quicker i don't want to be away from my boy i'm here because of him now i got now i you know i'm going to chase him but what's that gap and the market will determine that so i was like all right well i 
thought about, all right, well, how about a movable home? So even though manufactured homes were gorgeous, I mean, they're making beautiful stuff. It was just not my taste. Once again, you know, growing up in New York City and living in South Florida, I, ha I like that cutting edge design, you know, clean lines, you know, interesting materials, you know, um, uh, mo modern minimalism. That's what I like. That's, that's my personal taste and, and flavor. And you can't find that in uh, that type of package of home. So I w stemmed into, um, uh, uh, menu, uh, I'm sorry, uh, prefabricated homes. And those were great. Those were new. Uh, it, they just started coming out right around 2003, 2004. And people were making beautiful structures. Uh, but w because it's a new concept and the materials were expensive, uh, you know, you're still looking at $250, $280 a square foot. You know, on a, so I mean, a thousand square foot home is under three hundred grand. That's wow. You know, holy cow. That's that's not much either. You know, but you get a nice property, but you know, it, it just wasn't like cost effective for the average guy. You know, so I thought about it. I was like, well, how about if I start doing like a kit home? Well, I was looking around for the perfect. Uh, uh, type of architectural structure. I love architectural and structural engineering. Those, those, just to kind of give you a heads up. I, I love architecture. I think the homes and you know, uh, I mean, you could get some wild angles and uh, unique materials and you know, blend them together to form something absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that's obvious by looking at your Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, yes. beautiful pictures. By the way, I love looking. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, listen, uh, and and yeah, absolutely. I gotta tell you, man, people were making beautiful, you know. And uh, my hats off to the photographers, you know, the the beautiful shots they take out there. That's another reason, you know. I, I've got actually quite a few photographers that are following me because they like the pictures I post. So you know, hey, high five. That's great. But um, but uh, you know, I was looking for what type of uh, what type of model can I follow to go ahead and execute on having a home that's disassemblable and relocatable and then reassemble. So that way you're skipping that whole middleman of having to sell and then go to closing and then go, you know, to the city where you're moving to and, you know, now you got to find everything all over. So I figured, well, what if I find something that all you need to do is go to the other city and find an area that has a lot, you know, or available lots, and then just get, you know, the plumbing and the electric, you know, dug underground and comes up into the house. And now you just relocate your home piece by piece. Not piece by piece, but, you know, you disassemble it, put it on the back of a semi, relocate it. Well, I found the home, and uh, the home that I'm, that I'm, I cannot wait to build is my home that is modeled after the Farnsworth house. Hmm. The Farnsworth house was built in 1951 by Ludwig Mies van der Rohe. Uh, steel pier construction, the home, it's eight piers, four and four. Well, the home was built for Dr. Farnsworth, who was a doctor at the time, and her family had 50 acres uh, just outside of Chicago and Plano, Illinois. So... He was. She commissioned Ludwig Mies van der Rohe to go ahead and build her home, and uh, it 
in 2004, 2003 or 2004, uh, the National Preservation uh, Historic Society in Washington purchased the structure as an icon architectural piece that's being preserved. To give you just a quick snippet, uh, because it's steel piers and it was right along the river, the, the flooring, the interior flooring, isn't uh, directly on the foundation, but with piers, you could raise the flooring as high as you want because it's just going to be bolted through and suspended on those piers above ground. So I was like, all right, that makes perfect sense. And it is like the modern minimalist dream. There are no outside walls. The actual walls are floor-to-ceiling glass panels wow. all the way around the structure. And to control the lighting... The interior is set up on a cabling system around the whole entire perimeter for curtains. So you can go ahead and throughout the course of the day find out what your best lighting is and constantly be bringing the inside, the outside in all you want or close off an area and, you know, get sunlight coming in from the west and, you know, it hits your kitchen or, you know, whatever. You know, so, it you know, you can play with it. You know, you're not obstructed by a wall. You know, mm -hmm. the outside is right there, and you could see what's happening all around you. And I said, you know what? This is this was it. Now the home is, um, and I'll get to friends in just a moment. Um, but the home uh, has one central location um, where the electric and the plumbing come from underground into the home. So I thought, well, that's perfect because now what I can do is I could set up and. And this is what I did. Uh, I, I made like five different floor plans using the same principle, just uh, different different square footages. And um, um, what I wound up doing is the, the central core of the home is equidistant from the piers on all models. And the reason I did that was if in the future I want to, let's say, uh, an investor wants to go and get 20 acres with me somewhere. And we set up a little community, okay, of these type homes. The beauty part about it is you could set up the foundation of each home because it's really easy and low cost. Because all you're doing is drilling eight holes for the piers and a few holes to fill with concrete that are going to be for the stumps for the uh, uh, for like the uh, the entranceway. So like when you step from your driveway. You walk up; it's like a landing, like a landing platform, and then mm -hmm. from there you walk a few more steps onto the ground floor of the home. So, in essence, instead of bringing out construction crews and being overly charged every time you have a house for sale, you could just have them come in from the beginning and do it all at one time. Right? Technically speaking, that's you can actually do that. Now, my job would be to upsell you a home. If you like 1,200 square foot, you know, whether uh, if you like the 1,200 square footer, but yet you realize that you might need the 1,570 square foot unit, it could still be built on that same lot because everything is is um, cohesive and it's it, they're equidistant from each other on every single floor plan. So I was like, wow, you know, that's actually very cost effective because you could get it. Uh, a construction company to come in and dig all this, you know, 
we know on 20 acres we could go ahead and sell maybe 25 homes. Okay, drill them all out. You know, drill them all mm -hmm. out in one shot so you would save the expense down the road. And uh, and before I get to the, you know, how friends evolved, is this actual home actually grew to the concept today, which is uh, I want to I, I sell our home still, even though friends is the foundation of the company, there's going to be home sales, and I want to set it up to where we're uh, we're a design, plan, and build facility. Meaning, you come in as a home buyer, you pick the colors of the floors that you want. You pick the cabinet colors. You pick, you know, the colors in the bathrooms. You know how you want the walls to look and so forth. And you know we cater to that, and then we put it together in a you know eight to ten week period. And then we ship the home out to you. But what I'm very, very proud to say is that is because I like high-end design and the skeleton of the home is, you know, really inexpensive. You know, uh, honestly speaking, uh, my high taste in furnishings wound up being four times more than the actual steel structure of the home. So what I did is. I taught myself. I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm self-taught. I don't owe anybody any money or anything. This was all out of pocket, and I read. I read. I read a lot to learn, but it opened up the market. Now, instead of just house sales, now I can do uh, home improvement stuff because I make concrete countertops. You know, I do backsplashes. Uh, I, I create vessel sinks. So all that stuff you know could be to your tailored to how you want it to look um, and uh, that's gonna hope now now that happened and and the actual home uh, project wound up opening up you know uh, diff working with the same materials I wound up uh, creating business cards and concrete pocket pens so you know all working w with polymer resins and concrete now well now that's catered to the you know, business gifts and ideas market. You know, it opened up um, uh, coasters and uh, accent bowls and table centerpieces. Well, that opened up the market to the home accessories market. You, you see what where I'm going with this? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you it's know, amazing. and of course, concrete countertops, backsplashes. You know, that's 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 tapping into the home improvement market. So, you know, just that one house, the dream of not being away from my boy created me to specialize in these working with these two materials that now that alone has four to five you know marketable areas you know so I'm very happy and that just adds to my executive summary and my business plan because as of today with my life's work I have a total of nine product lines affecting seven different markets so the investors that I'm looking for obviously you know could see that I don't, you know, I'm not resting all my eggs in one basket. You know, there's different things to do. There's so much more happiness and joy to bring to people. But to tap into the, uh, the, you know, to how friends evolved now from that. But what ended up happening is I was looking for funding to build the first house because I was looking at using polycarbonate structured sheets as the glass, you know, as the exterior wall to keep the cost low. And it's a new material. It's very easy to work with and so forth. Somebody saw a firm who was putting together paperwork to do my business plan. 
opened up the idea that hey, if you know, if that's you know, if that's a great looking house, that's an awesome looking house. If you found a way to have the walls collapse, you know, and to have it fold into each other, like the like the sandwich, you know, for the ceiling to drop down to the floor level, you could actually sell them as collapsible cabanas to high end beach resorts around the world. You know, who wouldn't want to be in a all glass cabana sipping on a margarita on the sand, you know, with like 10, 15 other of their closest friends, you know, because it's, you know, used for like public recreation, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, the idea behind it was for them to be like a midpoint on these beaches to, you know, between the beach and the actual resort, you have a place where you could stop and like one, one structure could be like just a shower. You know, then uh, another structure could be a cabana, another could be a bar, you know, things of that nature. And the idea was that at the end of the night, you know, people tuck things away or take them out of there and then just kind of press a couple of buttons and have motors drop the roof down to the floor level. That way, in case there's any hurricanes or storms coming through, you know, you could go ahead and shut down and the storm will blow over them because there aren't any walls to be knocked down. Right. They would just be covered with sand. Well, I was drawing how the walls would collapse on my desk in my studio apartment while the TV was on. And as I was drawing different ways that the structure would fold into itself, August 29th, Hurricane Katrina is pounding New Orleans. And that was my aha moment. I was looking at the floor plans. I was looking at the uh, the news, and it just hit me. I'm like, you know what? We can do this retail stuff here later, like like down the down the road. But the prep, the premise, the first and foremost function these units are going to be is for humanitarian use, right there. Because just seven months prior, uh, the tsunami hit. Uh, Bandeshi in India that uh, December 24th on Christmas Eve in 2004 where 284,000 people died. Well, that was like the beginning of my, you know, like what's going on in the world? You know, how is it that 300,000 people can die in a storm? I don't understand that. Those numbers just do not jive with me whatsoever. And then in talking with, uh, you know, not doing like a case study or not, you know, uh, purposely going to go ahead and question different doctors and nurses for their opinions, you know, no surveys or anything like that, but just talking to uh, doctors and nurses, you know, the, the idea was that no, 300,000 people cannot die all at one time during a situation like that, but a lot of them do get hurt. You have uh, they become septic, you know, bacteria sets in, and at that point, they really literally only have hours to live unless they get the proper medication. You know, sometimes all it is is just a shot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so it, to me, like, those numbers just were mind-boggling. I'm like, look, there's got to be a better way. Like, what what's going on now? Like, what's happening? Is it, you know, is it is it transportation you know getting supplies to the area is it you know is it you know emergency management or is you know or is it is there 
you know, uh, like a variance in reaction time, or is it, you know, because, and what I did find out is, yeah, it takes a while to get, you know, your volunteer nurses, your volunteer, you know, just your regular volunteers, you know, nurses, medics together to go to an area to help, okay? So I was like, all right, there's got to be a, like a better way. So I started building friends around that principle. Now, friends being first, remo- uh, first response emergency needs dispatch shelters. What they're, like, for example, the earthquakes that we had in Bangladesh and uh, Italy just yesterday, yesterday, the day before, mm-hmm. okay? In situations like that, uh, conventional transportation is cut off because roads, I mean, during an earthquake, roads are destroyed. You, you can't use conventional transportation to get in the area to help people. Well, if it's an uh, if you have a population like let's say Nepal, okay, Nepal, you know, you had their towns and their little towns and cities, you know, where they all congregate when the Nepal earthquake hit. The airports were destroyed, so you can't get help to them. Okay, it, it was difficult to transport supplies to the affected area. Well. I was like, all right, so the first thing that I came up with was, all right, well, whatever we're, whatever I'm going to build, it has to come from above. You know, it just has to. You know, that's the only, that's the fastest way you can get to those folks. Well, you know, um, what I found is that you need people, you need supplies, and you need a facility to be able to do the work to help people in despair, Okay. Now, what I wound up doing is my friends, they're 15, I've got two sizes and I'm, and I'm planning on building both sizes. Even though the smaller one is going to be um, uh, the most popular one, but the big one it needs to be built to show that, there, that we do have a, 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 an exact structure, an exact structure in a larger scale for those areas that you need to temporarily house people for a period of time. Now, uh, the emergency needs, the description on them is, uh, I have designed a, my entire structure, friends, they only sit 36 inches tall in its collapsed form. So when you're standing in your kitchen and you're leaning up, that's how tall friends are. That's how high they are. Now, they're 36 inches tall, so we could stack three layers on the back of a tractor trailer. Friends are made up of three primary materials and two mechanical components. Uh, the three primary materials are polycarbonate structured sheets, timber sill wood, and three a high gauge aluminum frame. The only two components on the structure are uh, solar power and uh, hydraulic arms that are used to lift the walls up. The way it's set up, when there's a disaster, uh, the friends are brought in by helicopter. Now that you've got a structure, now you can go ahead and have people come work the structure to be aides, to be medics. Instead of spending time in putting a structure together, my units, because they have the solar power and the hydraulic arms, when they are released from the helicopter and the medics come down after, well, I have it designed to where they, uh, it's a wired control box, uh, like an industrial garage where they have the roll-top cages, and it's just that wired, that yellow big box on a thick wire. That's pretty much what, what each friends will have to be operated with. All they have to do is just grab that tr- control box, 
press a couple of buttons to turn the motors on, and the hydraulic arms lift out from flat to 90 degrees from the inside out. Well, that motion will push the roof upward. Once the walls are up in place, there's just simple locking mechanisms to lock the walls to the floor and lock the walls to the roof. And then in essence, what happens at that point is uh, medics start retrieving the supplies that they know that they're going to need. Okay, I, I actually had to design my own special type of stretcher to fit within the, the friend structure because when it's in collapsed position, there's only like two and a half inches of space in the floor. In its completed stage, the small units are 5,000 pounds. Those are, that's what we're shooting for. And that's with the solar, you know, with panels, the batteries, the mechanisms. That's just dry weight. That's just a unit by itself. But once you start filling it with different supplies, we're looking that the additional supplies are come up to about 1,000 pounds. So you're looking at a 6,000 pound total weight structure. So I had to look for materials that are, you know, that are strong, but yet durable. I see a lot of applications for that. Uh, one, is, as you mentioned, for these uh, humanitarian relief. I've been on a lot of humanitarian relief missions around the world. I'm a retired Army medic. I was an Army medic for 25 years. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time in South and Central America. We would go out building schools and clinics for uh, communities and We'd do what we called medical readiness uh, missions where we would do everything from pulling teeth to, you know, giving sutures, not a whole lot of medications for various reasons. But we always end up carrying, taking along with us these huge bulky tents that were cumbersome. We've gotten better over the years with the tents and stuff. Sure, We've got one that just literally just like you pull it apart and it pops up. But even still, it's got a lot of, um, there's not a whole lot of insulation. There's We have the huge... Uh, AC units to go along with it. Really good equipment, but this would definitely be something that would make it a more permanent structure that we could actually, even if need be, which in a lot of cases, we do leave equipment in place. Um, and we could leave something like that in place for the community to continue to use. And then on right. a um, on a commercial side, before you got into the humanitarian, which is just completely abundant and in your mindset and i love the way that you think and that's another reason why i'm glad i got you on the show but from a commercial standpoint i'm seeing like you know koa camps popped up for rvs and one of the best investments is land for trailer parks for trailers you could have communities around the world where this month i want to live in florida but next month i want to be in north carolina and i can just move my home yeah, absolutely. You could definitely do stuff like that. In my current plan right now, obviously the first year is going to be dedicated to building the prototypes of friends, doing the big, you know, marketing push, you know, letting the world know who I am, you know, I, I want this growth, initial growth period and the things that we're looking to do, you know, I mean, we're looking to be everywhere because that's the only way that you're going to wind up getting eyes to you. So, uh, you know, we're definitely planning on doing a big marketing push. And as far as the various markets that I've chose for friends is that, you know, obviously I, you know, I, I'd like to seek a military contract with our country. Mm-hmm. You know, that's obvious. Uh, once, once we get them built and we apply for that, that doesn't stop us from being able to sell to, you know, independent states, like going to the, you know, governor of Georgia, going to the governor of Louisiana right now. You know, with the flooding that's going on there. I have a representative in Malawi. There's another gentleman showing interest in Liberia. There's another gentleman who was doing some work in Canada, talking with the Minister of Defense for Canada. So I've got these three people that were, 
going around pushing for me early this year. It was like February, March. So, I mean, I'm very grateful that, you know, people see the vision and what and what we aim to do. Well, it doesn't stop there because, you know, we want to go ahead and offer our product to whatever community. I've got a solution. I want to be the Uber of first responders, you know, during the stormy seasons. But, like, what about the winter? And, of course, the first thing that hit me was, Listen, during the wintertime, homeless shelters, if you're not there early enough, you lose a spot, and that forces homeless people to live in the street. Now, actually, the you know the cities could actually use these as additional housing for overnight, just a place to put your head down at night, be warm, and you can continue your day tomorrow. So now they, they can be used year-round during the stormy season and then during the winter season. You know, I've designed a latrine inside the units. You have power, so if you do have a phone at least, that's why somebody said, well, you're a disruptor because it's not that you just provide a product, but you're providing you know, enhance logistics to get to people quicker because that's the underlying thing mm -hmm. is to get to the folks that are injured. Now, what's happening now is people have uh, like FEMA's and different uh, organizations have their makeshift tents, but, you know, they build them on the outskirts of the devastation. Now, it's hard to get to those people, you know, that are injured within the area. Well, friends are designed to be brought into the area you're eliminating that whole walk that whole hike you know you're setting up within the devastated area where there are people around that is the big key of friends is we're saving time we're getting to you quicker than conventional method the thing is is that there's still nobody that does what i do which is getting there getting in there a lot of times volunteers do not go out is because you can't perform the duties that you need to do to save someone under a blue tarp. Yeah, yeah. So now they're saying that, you know, well, you know, now I've got polycarbonate structured sheets. They withstand the 100 mile per hour two by four test. You're in a semi-sanitary interior where you take care of the medics. You give them a facility to be able to do a job. They'll go anywhere because they know they'll feel secure and their own safety is, you know, taken into consideration. So now they're more apt to go out and help because they have some place to work out. Yeah, and I, for one, can definitely appreciate that. For absolutely, I did see on the uh, uh, the flow notes um, about uh, uh, mentioning any books to read. If I could share that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard you in uh, in the previous show that you just did with Eli. You know, what two books would you read? The two books that I would recommend people read are Jab, 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 Right Hook. Gary V. Uh, the other book uh, I have to tell you, uh, somebody I want to you know recognize. There's a fellow humanitarian that I met on through Facebook. Uh, we became friends. Uh, realized we, you know, we're very much alike. Uh, he's a freelance writer. He's from Iceland and he lives in Portugal now. And he has an interesting life story himself. But uh, his interesting life story. Uh, led him to write his own book. Before I read his book, I read uh, some articles that he wrote. This gentleman, his name is Exus Belial. He is the author of the book, uh, We Are the Creators. The thing is, is that, you know, he's a, a luxury lifestyle coach. And his big thing is mindset, very much to self-awareness. But it, it's the mindset, everything from, you know, changing your thoughts and behaviors about, like, education or diet, or handling finances. I have to say, he's become 
my favorite writer. I will have those books in the show notes as well. How can we get a hold of your friend's book? If you go to Exus, that's E-G-Z-E-U-S, Exus.com. Perfect. I'll have that link in the show notes as well. Yeah, that way you can just click on it and go directly there. It definitely sounds like a book I want to get a hold of for sure. So, so we're going to close this up here. And before we do, I would like to... Uh, for you to leave us with a real quick parting piece of guidance and any way that we can yes. reach you or stay in touch with the uh, project and any way, if anybody wants to reach out and help in any way. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, um, the only uh, the only account that I use my personal name, Deuce Pesic, that's D-E-U-C-E, and last name is Pesic, P as in Peter, E-S as in Sam, I-C. That's on my face on Facebook. You feel free to follow me there. I'm on ND Pesic Group on Twitter. I'm on ND Pesic Group on Facebook, where you'll see some of my previous work. I'm on ND Pesic Group on Instagram, and I'm also on. I have a channel on YouTube. Uh, it's ND Pesic Group. Perfect, and I'll have all of that linked up in the show notes. Uh, at that'll be at menofabundance.com forward slash zero two six. There will be timestamps to various conversations that we just had over the last conversation in this episode and all of the links that he mentioned as well as the links that deuce mentioned about all of his friends that he's grateful for that have various things going on as well we want to pay it forward to them as well and uh that way it'll be easier for because most people that listen to the podcast are driving can't write stuff down so i provide all of that in the show notes for you Oh, absolutely. That's fantastic. Thank you. My pleasure, Deuce. This has been one heck of a conversation. I just let you run Thank with you. it because I just love hearing your story and I love hearing your passion about all the stuff that you have going on. I'm truly, truly amazed. It's really good stuff. I definitely look forward to having you back on later on when you get everything up and running. And um, I'm really excited about that. Awesome. And Wally, you know, I was thinking about this today. I was like, you know, this, this gentleman doesn't know me, but, he, you know, he's he could obviously see the vision. I said, you know, uh, I talked over with Pete earlier, and I said, listen, I think, uh, you know, when we do the uh, grand unveiling party of the Friends Project, I think we want to go ahead and bring you out to be part of the celebration. Man, so I would be honored. I would be just very happy if you if you came to that. That would mean very much to me. Awesome. I look forward to it, man. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Once again, I, I'm speechless. Uh, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's my pleasure, and that's what Men of Abundance is all about. Have an awesome day, Deuce. Sir, you do the same. Thank you. All right, Men of Abundance, once again, thank you so much for listening, and I appreciate all of your support and feedback. And if you have not had a chance to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Stitcher, please do so right away. Now go out and live your life of abundance. And make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.